men and women from the Old Testament. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is someone from the Old Testament. His name is Abraham. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a minute. There's a story, I'm not sure it's 100% true, but I'm sure it, in, it may be true or may have happened. It was about a house that caught fire. And uh, the fire had forced one of the young boys to go up instead of down. And so now he's trapped on the second floor of the building and trying to get out. He got to a window And the father stood below and said, son, jump and I'll catch you. He knew that the boy had to jump to save his life. However, the boy, all he could see is the flames and uh, through the smoke, he couldn't see his father. And he said, I can't see you. His father yelled and said, but I can see you. And that's all that matters. In the text we're going to read, Abraham is being tested by God. He's going through a time where God has told him to do something. He doesn't know how this is all going to play out in life. He doesn't know all that's going to happen as a result of this. He can't necessarily see how God's plan is to unfold as a result of this decision. But he makes the decision to obey God and do what is right because God had spoke to him to do it and how God blesses him as a result of that. Because God will, he'll never ask you to do something that he doesn't have a plan in mind for you to do it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 says, by faith, uh, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son that through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in that sense, Abraham received his son back from the dead. Now, I want to just preface this story uh, and this sermon by the fact that God stopped Abraham from killing Isaac. It's not human sacrifices. The only sacrifice that was human for you and I that was important is Jesus on the cross. But God was testing Abraham. And God will test us from time to time and see where our hearts are at towards him, towards loyalty. Now, many people, they go through things. Some people think of testings as simply heavy circumstances. Uh, and as, as Peter calls fiery trials in First Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised that a fiery trial that you are going through as if it was something strange that happened to you. James says these words, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. 
Now, in this, there's these trials, and there are numbers of different trials in life that you can understand. There's, there's trials or testings that come from God. This is what Abraham, he's tested. Would you give up your only son for me? And if you know Bible uh, theology, it's very interesting that, Jesus, that God tells Abraham to go to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son, this is the very place that Jesus Christ would be crucified. So God doesn't ask us to do anything he himself was not willing to do. He stops him, of course. And there are times where God will tell you to be obedient. You're not going to know how it's going to work out. I so appreciated Pastor Nigel Brown preaching one time, I'll never forget this because I could relate to it, but he was preaching on how God had called him to a different nation. He left his home nation of Australia and went to the nation of England to start a church in Norwich. We would say Norwich, but they say Norwich. And uh, in Norwich in England. And so he went and he said when the plane door closed, when they uh, said, okay, the door's closed, turn off, you know, I don't think they had cell phones back then. But, you know, that sound of when that door closes, he thought, what have I done? It struck him like, oh, my gosh, what, what am I, what, how, why, why did I think this is a good idea? There's trials of our own making. There's some people, they go out and they spend lots of money they don't have, and then they're in debt, and then they wonder why they're financially stuck for a little while. That's a trial of our own making that you've been, you know, reckless with your finances. Maybe not totally. Sometimes it might be circumstances beyond your control. Medical, a lot of medical debt is that that people get into. But, you know, when you're buying all sorts of things on credit cards and you're going out and shopping on credit cards and the interest on credit cards and all and you're living on credit cards and all of a sudden the bill comes due and you're like, whoa, I'm in trouble. That's a trial of our own making. And in life, there's all sorts of different trials. There's trials of other people. There's people who, uh, you know, there's just some people who don't like you. I hate to break that to you, but there's just some people in life, they just, they just don't like you. They're going to make life difficult for you. It happens. It can be personal. It can be totally, it can be prejudice. It can be all sorts of things of why people do what they do. Right? We don't, you know, and those kinds of trials come our way. In life, there's all kinds of different things. In this particular case, it was God calling Abraham to obedience. You know, we read the book of Job. That's probably uh, a very famous picture of a trial. The man loses everything in one day. He, he's serving God, 10 kids, got you know, prosperous, doing well. And in one day, all his goats, all his sheep, all his cattle, all his, his donkeys are gone. His kids are killed. His, uh, shortly after that, he breaks out in all sorts of physical boils and he can't even lay down. There's not a place uh, that he can put weight on that's comfortable. And he goes through this time of trial. But at the end, we know God gave him back twice as much. But we all, you know, a time in your life, we can relate to Job. We've gone through it. Things are going, happening. And so trials are something we can all 
understand. You can all, we've all been through some measure of them, some way of, of knowing what's happening. And so that's, that's part of life. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show the genuineness of your faith. It is being tested as fire tests pure gold and fire purifies gold rather. Through your faith, it is more precious than mere gold. So that when you, your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So God's looking from heaven and he says, you know what? There's times where there's trials and there's life and, you know, life happens and life is hard and it's harder if you're stupid. And all of these kinds of understandings that we know are true in life. There are times where God will set testings up. Now, one thing God won't do is test you in sin. He doesn't make temptation an issue. He's not going to dangle sin in front of your face and see if you pass or fail. Uh, James 1, 12 and 13 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. For afterwards, they will receive the crown of life as God has promised to those who love him. And remember that when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God will never tempt you to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. We know Jesus, in, after he's baptized, is brought up to the mountains. And he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that after he was done fasting, the tempter came. And there's three specific temptations that we know about. And Hebrews says that we have a high priest that understands us. Jesus understands us. He's been tempted in every way that we will be tempted, yet without sin. I don't know if that's specifics to your situation or in generals of, of, of uh, you know, general issues of, of temptation of sin. But the reality is that Jesus knows that kind of testing and that doesn't come from God. James goes on to say usually it comes from ourselves. It's something that entices us, something that interests us. We're not always uh you know there's certain sins that will interest someone else over someone over another. There are general sins for everyone. You know, I believe that in the hearts of almost every human being lie the foundations of greed, lust and bitterness which manifest in life in very different ways. They're in all of our hearts. And so they're already there. We already have these working that cause testing. The good thing is, God has promised in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that the temptations in your life, which are no different than others experience, and God is faithful that he will not allow you to be tempted with more than you can stand When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure it. But our test in our text is a test of faith. God is asking Abraham to do something that is going to require Abraham to trust God. In Genesis 22, where this story comes, it says that sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, 
Yes, he replied, here am I. God said, take your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love very much to a land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, which I will show you. God's test is not simply, okay, are you willing to ride three days? But it actually goes deeper than that. How much do you love me? Are you willing to put me first? Are you willing to allow me to be number one in your life? Can you trust me when you can't see how it's going to work out? That's the kind of test that God many times will put us through. I just note here, Abraham never seems to tell Sarah where they're going or why they're going. I think that's pretty wise. Don't know if mama can handle it. Not every person can handle the same test. Not every person needs to know exactly all the tests you're going through. The Irish, of course, where I pastored for a little while, have an expression, wearing your heart on your sleeve. That's making known to everyone. It's clear and evident. You know, Jesus said, when you're fast, wash your face. Don't let everybody know what you're going through. There are times where God will ask us for a response. Peter is asked by Jesus, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Peter replied, yes, I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. There's times God will question, how much do you love him? You know, wives can do this to husbands more than necessarily husbands do it to wives. But do you love me? And show me. The test here is a test of faith. God is asking Abraham, believe me. Trust me. You know, I have rented a couple of cars. I actually was making a reservation today. And as I was doing it, they mentioned they're going to charge me a deposit of a couple of hundred dollars. Usually it's $200, $250. They'll hold on a credit card. And if it's a debit card, they're going to try to explain this to you. But on a credit card, they just hold it out and they say, this is it. Some people become very upset with this. They say, why are you charging me this? What's that? And it's not a charge. They'll give it back to you when you give them back the car in good condition. They hold that, and, and to me it's amazing because they're only asking for two, they're giving me a $30,000 car to use, and they're only asking for $200 to guarantee I'll bring it back. And so to me, that makes sense. They also want me to bring it back in one piece. That would be also very helpful for them and their business. God will ask you, do you trust me? The rental car company is trusting me on a very small down payment that I am going to bring it back. Abraham has to believe that God has his best interest in heart, even though he can't see it right now. Do you have, do you believe that God really does have your best interest in heart? He's trying to help you. There was one particular Native American tribe that had a practice for training their young men in the tribe. On the young man's 13th birthday, he was, ta- he was blindfolded, taken into a dense forest 
and left there all night. He was able to take off the blindfold after a while. And they would take him miles away into a place he has never been, a place that would be in the middle of the forest. And so you can only imagine a young boy, he's alone. He doesn't have any kind of weapons with him or any kind of things like that. Every sound would be fearful. Every, you know, how how many of you have ever been in your house alone and you can't believe how much your house creaks and cracks, moans and groans, and it's like, wow. Right? It, when when there's other people there, it's not, yeah, yeah, the same noises are happening, but you're not as attuned to them. Right? You're hearing these, like, the, you know, and all of these things are happening. And so you can only imagine that in this young man's mind, this would be going every time the wind blew in the leaves or, you know, whatever is happening. And all night he probably would remain awake and afraid. And then as the sun would come up, he would see his father with a bow, an arrow, to defend his child just far enough out of sight, out of the way that he wouldn't know he was there. But the father had an eye on him. This is exactly what God does in our lives. There are times where we're out there, we feel all alone, man. We feel like we're, you know, and we're, we're nervous, we're scared. We don't know how this is all going to work out. We're hearing things that may not be there. Our mind and imagination is going wild. And God is just standing just far enough away. We can't see him. But he's there. He's watching us. We can't see him. He can see us. This is what God is asking Abraham. Do you believe I'll take care of you no matter what? James 2 verses 21 and through 23 says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered up Isaac on the altar? You see that his actions work together with his faith. His actions made his faith complete. So it happened as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted it to, uh, counted him as righteousness, righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. That God looked at him and said, you know what, this is my, this is my son. Because Abraham re- responded, Abraham, you have to know God to have that kind of faith. You, you know, we, we all have a measure of faith. We have a measure of faith in other people. When you go through a green light, you have a measure of faith that someone's going to stop at the red. When you give your money to the bank, you have a measure of faith that they're going to give it back to you when you, you know, write a check or you go to the ATM machine or whatever. There's the reality that we all have this, we all have a measure of faith. But when it comes to God and God asking us for things that may not seem like we understand the outcome. We have to know him. We have to know his character. There's, in the United States, we have the credit score. The, cre- the credit score will determine your ability. They, they base this on your ability to pay back loans and things like that. Banks use that as 
who are you? They don't, you know, they don't know you, but they watch your history. Abraham knows God. He reasoned that God was able to bring him back to life again, even if he did have to sacrifice him. And in a sense, that's when Abraham did receive his son back. Romans 4, 29, I'm sorry, 20 through 22 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he grew stronger in it and brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. And because Abraham's faith, God counted to, to him as righteousness. This is why we say Christianity is not about rituals. It's not about, you're not born into Christianity. You can be born and come to church. But it has to be an experience that you have in a relationship with God. That will be obvious. You can tell. You know, when a young couple, Solomon even writes about this as, as a mystery. How when somebody gets, when, you know, a couple gets googly-eyed over each other, right? They're, and their behavior changes a little. You can tell. It's like it's there. You, you can tell that, you know, all of a sudden, that, you know, they're flustered. Somebody walks into a room and she blushes and he didn't say anything. Or how, you know, there's all of those kind of dynamics that can be at work. Having a relationship with God... Being willing to trust God that it's going to work out. God has got your best interest. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. That's a good start to say, okay, he really does think about me. Really does have my best interest. Because it's out of this test that we get a major Christian saying. Genesis 22, 11 through 14, it says, At the moment the angel called to, have, uh, called, uh, to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now we know that you truly fear God, for you have not withheld from me even your, only, your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thickets. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the place of the name Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. A lot of times we use that term when it comes to finances, right? Jehovah Jireh, and we think about this in the thought of God providing in our financial needs. But this goes far beyond just money. This goes into every area of life. God is saying if you'll be faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. If you're not faithful to him, he can't help you. But if you are faithful to him, he will help you. He's made that commitment. The provision of God. That when we allow 
God to speak to us and we will obey him, he will help us. That's a promise that we have from God. That God will owe no man. He'll never be indebted to you. He'll always make sure that you're taken care of as long as you put him first. Abraham did that. God took care of him. Gave him more than his heart's desire. Peter, in Matthew chapter 19, 27 through 30, Peter says to Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. What shall we get? And Jesus replied, I said, I surely that in the world is made new and the son of man sits upon his glorious throne. You who have believed and are my followers will also sit on 12 tribe on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children and property for my namesake will receive a hundredfold a hundred times as much in return and will and will inherit eternal life but many those who are great will now be the of least important and those who seem least important now will be great then jesus makes this promise I'm not, you you obey me. I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to be indebted. You're not going to be able to turn around and say, God didn't. Because God promised he would. This is the blessing of serving God. That when we're serving God, we can trust him that he's going to take care of the details. We can trust him that he's going to help us in every aspect of life. This is a promise that God has given to you and I, that we can hold to. We can know it's true. Trusting God with your life is not simply a momentary, I did that once back in 2016, I'm good. It is an ongoing relationship. It is a decision, just like a marriage. Yeah, you may have said your vows back. 10, 5, 10, 15, whatever years ago. But that trust needs to be re-enveloped every day. It, if it's not violated, it doesn't take much. And it's easy to rebuild that. Alan Redpath wrote a number of great books, an old preacher. He made this comment. He said, there is nothing, no circumstances, no trouble, no testing, that can ever touch me until, first of all, it is passed by God and passed Christ right on through to me. If it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose, which I may not understand at the moment, but if I refuse to become panicky and lift up my eyes and accept what is coming from his throne... For some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, there will be no sorrow that will disturb me, no trial that will ever disarm my disarm me, no circumstances that will ever fret. For I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is. If you have a relationship with God, you'll go through things. If you become a Christian, I'm not going to tell you. Great days, no problems, everything's sunny, you'll never be broke, you'll never have problems, everybody will love you. I can't promise you that, because it ain't true. 
I guess I could promise you, but I'd be a liar. That would make me not a preacher, but a politician. But anyway, never mind. But the reality is, is if you have a relationship with God, God will help you through and he'll put you in places where God can then show you he is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. He will help. He will move in your circumstances. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not right with God. You're not born again. You're not saved. You've never had Jesus Christ come into your heart, into your life. You don't have a relationship with God. You'll be on your own for trials, temptations, and things that come your way. But the good news is Jesus Christ loves you, died for you on Calvary's cross, and wants to help you. Shed his blood so that you can enter into a relationship because it's your sin that would stand between you and God. And God wants to help you. And so if you're here this morning, you're not right with Jesus, you're not born again, it would be our privilege to say a prayer with you, to say a prayer for you. And if that's you, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to get my heart right with God. Thank God. Anyone else? Thank God. Anyone else this morning? You want to get your heart right with God? Very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You're away from God. You want to come back. Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I'm not right with God. Changing the call then to Christians. Are you... In a trial, God has a purpose for that to show you his Jehovah Jireh, his nature, what he wants to do for your life, how he wants to help you. And the glorious thing is you can know that in there's a purpose. Now, if it's a trial of your own making, God can even show you and help you with that. Sometimes you got to touch the hot stove to learn not to touch the hot stove. And so God wants to help you. I wonder if, before we do anything else, you lifted your hand for salvation. You, would you look at me? You mean that? Would you come very quickly? You mean that? Would you come? Someone's going to pray with you. Ali's going to pray, pray with you. I need a sister to pray. Just kneel down right here. God's going to help you. I, our sister Grace is going to say a simple prayer with you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars. Allow people to find a place to pray. Worship God. Let's sing a song. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me.
Let's give him praise. Let's worship Hallelujah. him. Father, we love you. God, we glorify you. 